Welcome to the Small Town Success Club, the podcast that showcases people in small communities doing legendary things. I'm your host, Ebony Menai, and I'm here to show you that the only limits on what you can achieve are created in your mind. Anything is possible with the right goals, right attitude, and a very stubborn belief in yourself. So without any further ado, let's go get successful. Hello and welcome to episode four of the Small Town Success Club, the podcast that proves you don't have to be big city to live your best life and be successful. Today with me on the show, I have Jared Wiseman, PT, business coach, and all-round great guy. He's been mentioned now in two podcast episodes, so I thought it was only fair that we gave him his own. Welcome to the show, Jared. Thank you very much, Ebony. Great to be here. So before we get into talking about all things business, I would really love if you could tell us three things about yourself. Three things. Well, uh, maybe a bit boring for other people, but uh, I'm happily married with two beautiful children, uh, Murphy, who's just turned five and Owen's two, uh, and my first child, of course, my third child uh, being a black Labrador, Evie. Um, she's sort of drifted back in the pecking order a little bit since the, the little humans came along. Um, I guess from a personality point of view, I've always been someone super obsessed with um, success, you know, just, just being the best I can be and uh, being a highly competitive person, you know, someone who's wanted to do well from that side of things, but just also even now, you know, as a father and a husband and things like that, like I, I really have high higher ambitions to do well maybe one out of out of left field a little bit that uh i actually enjoy vacuuming so oh really (laughs) yeah yeah i'm super uh super ocd when it comes to cleaning and whatnot so um a lot a lot of the females actually when i'm talking all like oh my god that's that's amazing (laughs) so uh yeah love love a clean house and love a good vacuum you sound like my partner it's the best thing ever (laughs) must be a good man at the moment, you're living on the Gold Coast, which doesn't quite put you in the category of small town, um, which is obviously part of this podcast. Um, but your grassroots most definitely do put you in that box. Um, so the main reason I wanted to get you on the show was because I think you have so much inspiration to offer the Small Town Success Club community. From where I'm sitting, I see a personal trainer turned entrepreneur who then turned that up a notch again and is now helping other people create better lives for themselves within their businesses. Um, So I would really love to start way back at the start where it all started, which was EPT, which was the business, essential personal training, the business you shared with your brother, Adam. Is that right? Yes. Yep. Yep. Bang bang on with all of that. So... Uh, yeah, I actually went to university. I was, it's funny, I went to uni and studied business uh, and I openly say it didn't really teach me a thing about business. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, I, I did learn a few things, learned how to be resourceful and whatnot. I guess coming out of that, I wasn't too sure what I wanted, but I knew what I didn't want and it was, I didn't want to live a life just doing something meaningless, you know, doing something that I didn't enjoy. Uh, I, I love sport and I love health. And, you know, my brother, he moved back. So this was, uh, again, in, in Tasmania at the time. 
uh, I, my brother moved back from, he was actually living up here in Queensland, moved back. He'd started personal training in Devonport. And at that stage, literally no one was doing it. Uh, and I was one of the ones that really encouraged him to, to come back and, and give it a crack, I guess, because it just wasn't happening. Now, a lot of people, including some family members, if they listen to this, they'll know who they are. Um, so, oh, no, that won't work. It won't work in Devonport. You know, it's a small town. People, people don't invest into things like that. It just won't work. So anyway, Adam started out uh, and, and built up a really good little business uh, for himself. And then the natural thing for me coming out of university was, well, let's, let's put my skills of what I've learned there into place into something that I'm passionate about. And that was about helping people get you know, healthier, fitter and, and stronger. And so we formed a, a partnership straight up and, and you know, we, we were booked out immediately and our personal best we actually got up to which is something i'm hugely proud of we got up to a waiting list of 117 people to get into us That's on top okay. of being booked out and and i guess it was a it was just fantastic in the sense that people people from the area bought in and i knew they would and you know it's, as i said it's something something i'm really proud of because it was something you know that we we were doing something right obviously uh, and, and, you know, it's something that I look back on, yeah, and, and I'm extremely proud of. And so um, that's, I guess, how the business side of things started for me. And um, from there, like I said, I've always been obsessed with being successful and doing the very best that I can. And so things grew onwards and upwards from there. Uh, certainly not without some hard lessons and some, some really tough times throughout that. But, um, you know, it wouldn't, I'm more grateful for those tough times than, than the easy times, if that makes sense. So, yeah, so we went on to, to grow a really, really strong business that's still, still around today that Adam has now to himself. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's been an amazing uh, experience and, and something I'm very, very grateful for. And it's so nice that, like, even though you had a business together, you and your brother are still close. Like you quite, you often see families and business and it's tricky because like taking the personal out of business decisions when you're making them with someone that's so close to you can be really hard. Did you guys struggle? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, it was, we've always been very close as brothers, you know, and, and I guess our parents did a great job with, with what whatever they did I'm, i've got two boys myself at the minute and they just literally beating the crap out of each other from the moment <laughs> they wake up so I, I, I must get some advice off mum and dad around that but we always got on really well uh we did a lot together and we, we often say it to each other like it's one of our proudest things that we not only survive business together but we still have a really close relationship albeit uh, a little bit more distant now um but you know like we certainly had our moments but the, the, the most important thing for us and, and I guess the way we were brought up is you just always communicate it. You know, you're always, if there was ever anything, we would, we're the sort of people like, I, I can't sleep on stuff that needs to be addressed. You know what I mean? And, and, and we're both the same. So it's like, there's something there, address it, get it done. And we moved on. Yeah, I literally could say we probably only had maybe three or four heated discussions over a, more than a decade of business together. And at the end of it, we shook each other's hands and it was all good. So, um, you know, something, something, again, we're very proud of. 
it was part of, and we'll talk about that in a minute, I'm sure when, when I transitioned out of the business, that was a small part as to why, because we were starting to, you know, feel a few few things that were starting to happen as far as that goes. No, no one's fault as such, but it was just kind of the, the timing and whatnot. And that was something we were very keen to preserve is our love and care for each other as brothers. You know, that's more important than, a, than business. Important. Absolutely. Yeah, so um, you just touched on it there, but you've, so you've gone through a bit of a journey, obviously, um, from like you said, at uni doing business to then running EPT um, and then transitioning to business coach. Like, How did you come to the realisation that you no longer wanted to be, you know, a fitness coach, you wanted to move into the business sphere? Yeah, well, I guess it was a long process, you know, looking back on it you know, you always think, oh, I probably could have done that sooner or should have made a decision sooner, but everything's great in hindsight, right? So uh, for me, it started out as a personal trainer and that was something I was always passionate about. But you, as you would know, and a lot of your listeners would know when you're in business that sometimes, and they talk about it a lot, you have to work on your business, not necessarily in it. I mean, you it's still important to work in it at, at different times, I believe, but if you're not working on it, you become the victim of your own business. And then effectively, you, you know, you're trapped. I only did a video on this not long ago that um, most people that get into small business aim to do it to create a sense of freedom and flexibility and, you know, all of this sort of sort of stuff. And then quite shortly after they get in it, they realize, oh, hang on, I can't take a holiday. <laughs> you know, if I'm sick, the business stops. And so, um, you know, we... we um, I guess did did very well in that sense. So I transitioned from a personal trainer to a business owner where I would still do uh, a, a little bit of hands-on work, but mainly it was around the business side of things. So that's kind of the first transition. Uh, then it just, I guess, got to a point for me where I really, really needed growth. Um, I didn't realize it at the time, but I, I probably wasn't that happy in my life. Not Not happy as in miserable or depressed, but just just okay you know which which isn't isn't a place to be and uh, it's easy to look back now and go okay that's that's what it was but at the time I was just I guess I was just drifting I was sort of do I want to be doing this do I not want to be doing this and that went on for you know a few years to be honest Uh, and I literally had like one of those days I don't know if you've had it or other people have had this where I just woke up one morning with absolute clarity and I'm like I'm, I'm done with this Yep. You know, this chapter is finished and I have to, I have to move on. I'm not, I'm not serving uh, my brother in the business partnership. I'm not serving my family. You know, my wife and kids are obviously the most important people to me. Uh, and ultimately myself, I was just like, I was, I was playing small and I was so comfortable and, and just okay with that, you know, feeling okay as opposed to that feeling when you're growing and you're challenging yourself and so, you know, I, I, I basically walked in and said to my brother, I said, I'm done, you know, and he's kind of like, what? <laughs> um, but anyway, we, we worked it out and it was, it was uh, again, it was a super successful transition. Uh, Adam's loving what he's doing now, having the business and he's had to obviously step up and take certain things that I was doing. Um, but, but on a personal level at that point, I just, I had these skills, you know, and I'd, I'd, I'd done a lot of personal development. Like I've invested easily, easily over $100,000 in my lifetime in personal development, in, in bettering myself. And, you know, some of the people that I've 
worked with and been mentored by are literally some of the biggest, biggest names or, or around the biggest names on the planet. And like I had, I had skill sets and I had these things to, to grow and challenge myself. And it was kind of almost like I needed to make myself really, really uncomfortable um, to do that. And so that's effectively what I, what I did. And I think so many people don't realize how important that is. Absolutely. Well, as the saying goes, you're either growing or you're dying and there's no, there's no status quo. And I think what happens when, when things are just status quo and, and, and ticking along the same underneath that really what's happening is you're dying. Uh, And that, that goes with your relationships that goes with your business your health, whatever it is, it's, it's, as I said, it's either growing or dying. And, and ultimately, again, I look back on that and go, I was, I was, I was dying from a, from a business point of view, from a growth point of view, from a, con- a contribution point of view, even to the world. Like I just, I wasn't growing. And, and, you know, I believe it's closely tied to, to happiness. You know, th- there's a, a big issue around people. A lot of people are depressed. A lot of people are anxious there's a lot of stuff going on and uh, it's certainly not the thing, but I believe it's one of the biggest contributing factors when you are, when you are growing and when you are contributing and giving to others and you're not necessarily thinking yourself, that's a lot of times when true happiness uh, comes along. And for me, like that, that's when I felt the most, I look back on my life and arguably the happiest moments have been that when I'm really pushing myself, really challenging myself, getting really, really uncomfortable, but like overcoming that, that's, that's when I've felt my absolute best. Maybe that's me. I don't know. But um, I get a sense a lot of people are like that as well. Yeah, no, I, I definitely can relate to that. I work in my business one day a week. I work on my business every day. Um, but my opinion is if I'm coasting, someone's catching me. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. And, what, and one thing with that, I mean, most of your audience is about small towns, small business, like the real challenge, one of the biggest challenges uh, I've had personally, and, and my brother was the same was, you know, a lot of people in small towns don't get that, you know, that they, they believe that you are the business and you should be the one that's yeah. front and center all day, every day. Um, which there is, I, you know, some learnings that I've had that I, I took too much of a backward step. You know, if, if I was to have my time again, you know, I'd do it, do it a little bit differently. But it's, it is challenging in small towns because we do have that fear of judgment and what will people say. And people do complain and, and whatnot. But ultimately, uh, it depends what you want to be in business for. If you want to just create yourself a job, you know, then, then go down that path. But if you want to create a truly, a true business and be a true business owner, then you need to be working on the business, create that leverage so that other people, uh, the, the business works when you're not there. You know, yeah. that's ultimately what a business owner is. If you don't have that, um, then, you know, you're putting yourself at risk. What if, what if something happens to you, you know? And so we, we did that. We were very conscious of that early to, to do it as a, a protective thing as much as anything, that if something was to happen, you know, we, we're safe and secure, you know, we've still got, still got money coming in, but it, it doesn't come without judgment and gossip and the things that go on in small towns of course oh absolutely but i think also social media the way it's changed in the last few years has made a big difference in business owners being able to step back because the thing is people need to see you they need to know you're there they need to trust you 
But by having, you know, Instagram and Facebook and being able to go live and talk on stories, people are still seeing your face. So they're still associating you with that business because in a small community, it's the loyalty factor. And that's, that's what it is for people. They know, like, and trust you. So they still need to see you. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And, you know, it goes for everyone within the business, whether it's staff, whether it's customers, clients, whatever, you know, people want to feel loved and, and they want to feel cared for. And if you're never there, which is something again, that I, that I learned that uh, if you're not there, people, people feel less cared for. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a real balance, you know, it's, it's a real balance, but it's certainly one of the bigger challenges um, that, that people will go through in business. That's it. Another big challenge I find that all business owners tend to struggle with at some point um, tend to come around staffing. Um, from your own experience as a business owner and coach, what do you think would be the best piece of advice that you could give to someone struggling with negative or dishonest staff? Yeah, well, you know, there's, there's lots. I, I couldn't say one thing, to be honest, but... <laughs> Again, a, a lot of the learnings and I think a lot of my former staff would hopefully say nice things about me in, in that I did, I did do my best or do well at, at this, but certainly could have done better as well. Um, you know, it's no different to any other relationship. You have to, you ha- like I just said previously, you've got to show them love and care. Um, and if people don't feel love and care, then, you know, they're going to they're gonna look elsewhere again, no different to your, your, your normal relationship. And so um, things like even the, the book, The Five Love Languages, where they talk about everyone's got a different love language, like finding out what your staff is, you know, and I, I did do that with a lot of our staff, but arguably it probably didn't follow through with some of it as well. But just, you know, if someone is, uh, for instance, uh, physical touch, you've obviously got to be a little bit uh, careful in this day <laughs> with that, but uh you know, if it is quality time, you know, maybe it is just take, taking them out for, for lunch one day or shouting them lunch or, you know, it's just, it's just finding out what it is that makes them feel cared for and appreciated. It's not always dollars, you know. Whilst yeah. a lot of people say, oh, no, money's not important. It truthfully is for yeah. most people. Um, but, you know, finding out that and, and going just above and beyond to meet their needs. What is it that they want? Yeah. And, and how can how can I how can I meet their needs, you know, as a, as an employee. Um, now, look, we, I've certainly been through a lot of challenges with, with staff, uh, but like I said, it, if with everyone I, I grew and I learned a lot, so it's just going to happen. Um, you've got to accept that, but you've just got to, you've got to learn from it, uh, improve your systems uh, around that. That was a large part of what, what sort of happened with us. Something that happened to go, how can we, how can we minimize this from happening next time? And, um, you know, that, that would arguably be my biggest advice is learn from when it doesn't go right. But ultimately when you've got the right ones there, you know, um, do it. But selection is so important as well. Uh, we, I heard someone say once it was a guy by the name of John C. Maxwell and, and someone asked him, they said, oh, John, like, how do you have such motivated staff? Like, all your staff are so motivated. Like, what do you do to, to keep them motivated? He said, I don't do anything. He said, it's easy. You just hire motivated people. <laughs> so, so, so your selection process in the beginning is key. But as most people would say, yeah, but 
people do come across really, really well initially. Uh, and then it's not to a few months down the track that you, you maybe start to see a few chinks in the armor. But, you know, it's, it's certainly the biggest challenge most people will have with businesses around staff. And if you can do it and do it well, then you, you're a long way to achieving uh, great things in your business. Is there anything else that you can think of outside of staffing that from being a coach is one key thing that you notice that a lot of people could do better? Um, Like whether it's like people not say really truly knowing their numbers or not utilizing social media. Like is there one common theme that you're finding that small business owners could definitely invest more time in? literally as you're asking that i've probably had about 20 different things come up could be could be that could be that i would say uh again no there's not one but a a few common ones is like we've touched on is you need to like and this goes with anyone with life like you need to kind of begin with the end in mind you know and by that i mean is what what does it look like for you what do you want life to look like in 20 years and and reverse back from that. Most people live in reaction where they wake up each day, write a to-do list, feel really warm and fuzzy because they've ticked off, you know, oh, I've paid a bill and I've done this and I've done that. That is a good feeling. But it is, it is. <laughs> and I, and I, I get that as someone who's a little bit uh, OCD with kind of, kind of lists and things. But what you need to do is be doing things that are actually proactive and that are moving you towards where you want to be long-term. Now, most people don't have that long-term sort of vision, so that, that makes it hard. And the reason why I bring that up is because, again, it's to do with uh, working on the business. I don't think there would be anyone out there in small business that jumps in intending to go, look, I want to work 60, 80 hours a week for the next 40 years for myself, never have a holiday, never have a break. So what is it that you want, you know, and do that. The other things are probably, and it's becoming more common, I guess I'm around it and it's largely what I do, but literally investing in, Investing in coaches, investing in uh, professionals or other people, you know, I, I had effectively and still do today. Now, like, I have a team around me. You know, you don't need to do everything, but it's, it's quite scary for people to invest. And I call it invest because you do get a return on it, but invest in experts to help you out to grow your business. Because most people's mindset is, oh, once I get the income of X, then I'll, then I'll do that. You know, whether it's something around your, your accountant, um, you know, getting, getting a bookkeeper. Don't spend your time doing crap like that when your skill set may be um, getting on the phone and making sales, you know. Uh, so there's all sorts of examples around that where, you know, you need to, you need to invest in people to do that. And obviously, I've got an uh, invested interest in saying this, but like someone like a coach uh, is like I have a coach myself. Me too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because it's like you need to, why would you try and do it yourself when there's someone out there that's probably done what you've done and can you can learn from their mistakes and not make the same one. So um, there'd be that. And then the final one, I know you asked for one, but I'm on a roll. Uh, <laughs> I'd, say, I'd say sales. Sales is a big one that most business owners suck at. I think it makes them uncomfortable. Absolutely, but it should not be uncomfortable. If you're passionate about what you've got, like it's to me, it's not sales. It's like, can I help this person or not? If I get off the phone with someone and I haven't closed them, I'm pissed off with myself because I'm like, I'm not, I, I haven't been able to help them. 
they un- they I'll call them in two years, five years time. They'll be in exactly the same position. So I, I almost take it personally where I'm like, I've got to help this person. Um, and, and sales isn't that complicated, but I see so many small business owners do it really, really poorly um, or just not do it at all, not invest any time and effort and energy into, into that area. And it is critical uh, for your success in your business. And I think it depends where your energy is coming from too. Like if you're putting your energy into sales as a sale, as a financial transaction, as money, it probably is going to freak you out. But like you said, if you're putting your time and energy into a sale, this person's come in, they're having, well, for me, I'm a beauty salon, so this is how I relate to it. You know, this person's coming in today, they're having their eyebrows done. Their eyebrows are really sparse, but hey, you know, did you know we actually, this pencil, I'm just going to fill them in. It actually has an ingredient that's going to stimulate your brow growth. This is going to help them grow quicker. Like I'm always going to offer that to that person because it's helping them get to where they want to be faster. It's not because I want to sell them the pencil. It's because I want to help them and give them a better experience. So I have no Absolutely. And the, and the key thing you've mentioned there is like, is what, is, what is it that the person wants? You know, find out what they want and show them that you can meet that need. Uh, and maybe you can't. And if you can't, well, you, you, don't, you don't sell to them. But if you can... It's your duty and obligation to do so because if you don't, someone else will. Um, so it, it's a, it really is a key area uh, for business that, again, most people are fearful of it for whatever reason. They're scared of the whole stereotype of the sleazy salesman or, or whatever it is. It's just, it's just not true. It's, it's something that you should put a lot of time and effort into. And it's just as long as you're coming from the right place, it shouldn't be something that should make you feel uncomfortable. Totally, which, which I guess is another large part of what I do as a coach is working on the mindset because usually it comes back to uh, mindset issues that have been passed down usually by our parents, you know, that money is scarce, money doesn't grow on trees, Ebony, you know that, you know, money is hard to come by and um, all of these things that we've, I'm sure we've all, we've all heard of it and, and usually there's, there's some stories behind it as well. So, um, yeah, it's all fascinating though, I love it. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, you said coaching is an investment. So I've pretty much had, I've had a few different coaches and I've had coaches right from the get go in my business. I've never not had a coach. I've always had someone to help. Well me. Done. And I kind of think of it as like, I am strong, but I'm not fit. I would never just be like, okay, I'm going to run a marathon and just run a marathon. Like I need someone to show me how to do that. So I've always had a coach. But hiring my first coach was the scariest thing that I ever did in my life because I was like, oh my God, it's so much money. And all I could see was the money. But what I did was I took that amount, I broke it down, I worked out how much extra I had to make an hour to cover the cost of my coaching and put my prices up by 10%. Coaching was paid for non-issue. No one even questioned the 10% increase. And it was literally increasing it, uh, I think, because I'm client-based, it was a dollar a client for me to have a coach. And the return was, you know, ridiculous. It was so worth it. And and the the thing with it too is, I guess it it really depends on the other side of it as the customer, the client, the consumer. Like, if you're willing to put in, then it's, it's, it's not, it's nothing to do with the price. It's the value, you know, and, and, if, if you're going, there's never a, a guarantee. You can never guarantee anything. But, you know, if you're willing to put in, then it's, it's just so worth it. it it's, it's um, you know, I did a coaching session with a particular guy. He's got a, um, 
he had an air conditioning cleaning business super nice guy and he actually came to my house and he did did it and i was like i was in awe with what he was using he was using all these organic products weren't harmful etc etc and i was like how's your business going and he was like wasn't going overly well anyway i did one session with him and we i actually said to him i said what is potentially that one session worth you and i'm not saying this to brag but i'm saying this to show people how you need to look at things in terms of value whether it's coaching whether it's anything else and he said to me that particular session in what I helped him with, which was sales and around his pricing, he said that was probably worth a quarter of a million dollars in my lifetime. And, and that's the power of it. And that's how I encourage people to look at things like that. Is it an investment or is it an expense? What's the return? Because you, you could pay someone $50 a session as a coach and it could be a complete waste of money. Or you could pay someone like a Tony Robbins, he charges a million dollars a session or something like that. It could be well worth it. So, so it really just depends. And it's only worth it if you put the work in. Coaching is amazing, but if you're going to pay money for a coach and just expect success because you're paying a coach, it's not going to pay off for you. Totally, totally. Yep, you have to do the heavy lifting, that's for sure. That's it. And like you said, he, he said, you know, a quarter of a million dollars in his lifetime, it's that lifetime value. That's with anything in your business, I think. It's, it's with what you're doing. It's with your coaches. It's your clients. So like my clients, my customers... They might come in and spend, say, $20 and have eyebrows done. They're, not, they're worth so much more than $20. You know, that one person that spent $20, whether they come back or not, you know, they might refer a friend who then comes in and spends another $20. And then if that $20 is $20 for every month, and then they buy a product and then they try something else. So over the lifetime value of that $20 client... It, they may be a $10,000 client and they're a person and they have value. And if you can show them that you value them, they're much more than 20 Absolutely. Spot on. We're going to have to wrap it up because <laughs> you and I are going to talk all day. <laughs> and we have a tradition to finish out our show with a dinner date. So who, dead or alive, would you love to have a three-course meal with and pick their brain? Well, this is, a, this is an interesting one. So nat- naturally people obviously gravitate towards, you know, and, and for the sake of playing along with it, you know, for me, it would be uh, people, I'd either have someone like the Beatles, like get, get, you know, someone, someone like that where you could sit down with the four of them. Maybe not that I can play guitar very well, but you know, just get the guitars out. Um, be someone like that, or it would be like guess mentors of mine, people like Grant Cardone, who's been a big influence on me in the last 12 months, two years, you know, your Tony Robbins, Gary Vaynerchuk, these, these type of guys. But I don't know if you've seen this, but I actually saw a video on this where they, they asked people this question and there was all these people and they were answering and they're saying, you know, all these names and what they then did and they filmed them doing it then what they did is they all had children and they asked the children who would you have and all the kids said i'd have my mom and my dad all these parents and since i've had kids like i'm so soft with this stuff (laughs) i was was watching it i started bawling my eyes out because it was like (laughs) you know the, the it's great to have these famous people and all that but the truth of the matter and the, the most immediate thing for me would be is like I would have my wife and two kids and, it, and if I could have people from the past, you know, I would have like my, my grandparents who are no longer with us because I just know how amazing like they would just, yeah, I mean, obviously we can't do it unfortunately, but like just to, to show them my kids and how proud I am of them and I know how proud they would be like 
that would be what I would do is, is just have uh, my, my wife and kids and my family that are either still here or, or no longer with us. That, that would be mine, you know, over and above anything else. But as I said, for the, for the, sake, <laughs> for the sake of what you're asking, yeah, I'd, I'd probably have the Beatles or someone like that. You nearly made me cry then. I'm such an emotional <laughs> little little person. I went to Toy Story last week and cried in the new Toy Story. That's how, how bad I am. <laughs> I'll be going to see that soon, no doubt. Oh, it's so good. Um, <laughs> that was my last question for you, but I did want to ask before you go, I know that you really love a good read um, and I would love if you could share with everyone a reading recommendation. Oh, <laughs> I actually got my library behind me, so I might have a look. I guess it really depends what you want. I talked about, you know, I guess most people here are, are in uh, are in business, so uh, I, I still think for small business, the book The E Myth by Michael Gerber, I think, is yeah. amazing book. You know, it talks about why most small businesses fail. Uh, so I think that one's fantastic. There's always Think and Grow Rich. I'm not using up too many uh, <laughs> too many options here. <laughs> Think and Grow Rich, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Probably, probably the other one with that would be How to Win Friends and Influence People. They, they, they would be definitely the biggest, best books for all small business owners. Hey. So sorry, I took, took up more than one. That's okay. I love that. You've done that with every question today. I've asked you for one thing, you've given me like seven. So it's See, I over-deliver. Over That's what it's all about. <laughs> so if any of our listeners would like to see more or hear more from you. Yeah, Facebook and Instagram, Jared Wiseman, which is spelt J-A-R-E-D. Uh, I've had the double R-O-D most of my life. So it's J-A-R-E-D, wise man, as in wise man. Um, you find me on Instagram, pretty keen to get to 10,000 followers. So hopefully you can help me out with a few there. And um, yeah, same on same on Facebook. You can either personal friend request or, or find my page as well. Um, so either one, be great to connect with some more people. 10,000 followers, you'll be able to do the swipe up. I know, I'm excited about that, <laughs> just so I can say it. <laughs> and if anyone out there has any other questions about today or any other episode, please feel free to post them into our Facebook group, The Small Town Success Club. Stay amazing and I will see you next time. Thanks, Jared. Thank you. As Jared mentioned, you can find him on both Facebook and Instagram. His Instagram handle is Jared, J-A-R-E-D underscore Wiseman, spelt wise man. And I think it's pretty clear from today's episode that that is what he is. In the meantime, you can also find us, the Small Town Success Club, by searching that in your Facebook search bar. Request to join our group. We would love to have you. And that's a wrap for today's episode of the Small Town Success Club. If you loved what we had to share and you're excited to hear more small town business legends talk about their success, fears, top tips and everything in between, make sure you hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. In the meantime, keep pushing your limits, keep being amazing and I will see you next time.